Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, uh, Monday morning stretch. <laughs> nah, I'll, uh, I promise that I'll uh, quit impersonating you, Bilber. Uh, but I love you, guy. I love you, and I love uh, all of you out there. Uh, drop it in to hang out with me, you know. Um, it's been a, a real joy dropping these for you every Monday and Thursday, and uh, I look forward to doing this because, you know, I like I like checking in on you. I like seeing how you are, you know. Uh, there's, wow, what a week. Uh, you know, this week I got uh, some time to spend with my, my great aunt Angie, and uh, my great aunt Angie, she's north of 90, uh, and Angie, as you might guess, is a lovely name for a, a sweet Italian woman. <laughs> a bit hardened, too. And uh, she was uh, telling a story that might turn into a little uh, soap special. And that, that soap special uh, for you all is going to be called uh, Latuca and Corleone. <laughs> now, just like uh, all my stories, you know, uh, the... The names aren't uh, exactly historically accurate because I'm not a snitch. <laughs> and it also gives some uh, creative freedom. Uh, but it is going to be uh, based on a, on a true story. And, uh, and, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, in part because there is a, a real deep fascination, I think, with, with everybody with you know, what human beings have been doing um, throughout the course of history, you know, and where people come from and, and why they went to where they went to. And, uh, you know, for Italians out there who showed up in early, you know, uh, 1900s here in the United States, their documentation, you know, uh, tends to be in order and also preserved, if that makes sense. So, you could uh, look at, you know, the processing papers from Ellis Island, right? And see, you know, what time of year did a person leave? Uh, you can see uh, even what type of ship they left on and, and what city they resided in and what port they took off from. Now, uh, this the story here is uh, happening uh, just before Peaky Blinders, <laughs> if that makes sense, <laughs> right? Uh, for those of you that, that know about the show or, you know, for those of you that don't, uh, Peaky Blinders is set right after the time of, of World War I. Uh, the main character and his family, Tommy Shelby, uh, go off and, and fight in the Great War. Uh, and when they come back, uh, they make their way up in the world. Let's just put it that way. And uh, that took the Great War, it took time, I think in between like 1914 and, and 1918 was, was certainly done before the Roaring Twenties. And uh, these two uh, Italian individuals by the last name of uh, Lutuca, the woman, and Cordelione, uh the fella. Uh, Lutuca, she uh, leaves Sicily in the year 1913 during the spring and uh you know i 
I don't know if she's really aware of what's going on in world affairs or what the desire was to leave Italy and come to the United States except for maybe a chance at a better life. And uh, when she leaves Sicily in the spring of 1930, she arrives at Ellis Island, New York, and she gets put on the bus and she gets uh, shipped out or bussed out rather (laughs) to the great city of Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who I know I've, I've done some, some light, uh, some light jeering with, but, uh, how cool right now. I know that there's <laughs> plenty of people out there that would be like, what, what is this? You know, you have an immigrant coming up off a ship and they put them on a bus and they take them to a city where there's going to be a, a bunch of people of their own same, uh, language and ethnicity. So that way they can help assimilate into, America, what kind of liberal bullshit is that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, or, or maybe, you know, uh, people would be happy to say, oh, yeah, well, they, you know, immigrated uh, legally and, and properly and da 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 da, right? In any case, uh, she does this. And when she does this, uh, she comes over with a couple of her sisters. And uh, one of the sisters gets sick on the voyage. And you know what happens? Yeah. She gets uh, sent back. What a heartbreak, right? (laughs) To to sail that many weeks on a ship from Italy to the United States just to be turned away at the door. Man, like it would be heartbreaking just to, you know, drive 15, 20 minutes to a party that you're hoping to get into (laughs) and get turned away at the door, let alone... Be on a quest for a new life. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you can imagine, you know, after this woman goes back, she has some stories to tell and and she knows where her her sisters have moved off to. And she hopes to make another journey. And when that that sister goes back, uh, she meets a a fellow by the name of Cordelion who confesses to that sister that um, he had uh, a heart he had a, uh, an admiration for one of the sisters that stayed in the United States and that he has a, a dream, a plan to go to the United States and perhaps uh, see that woman. <laughs> and so the following year, the following year, uh, Salvatore Cordelion hops on a ship with the uh, aforementioned sister they both uh, remain healthy on the voyage and they make it to New York. They get processed. And you know what happens? They don't get sent to Philadelphia. <laughs> they plead. They barter. They do as much as they possibly can to try to unite these sisters in Philadelphia. But they get sent to Buffalo, New York. Now, after they get to Buffalo, New York, the uh, quest hasn't stopped because they're going to find their way to reunite with the sister and, uh, and, you know, see what happens. Now, this early time of the, uh, the 1900s is, uh, at that point, you know, the, the world has entered the war. The U.S. has, has not yet. Uh, but if you've seen any pictures of people in the United States around that time, uh, most of them look very slim 
and gaunt. I know, if you can believe that, Americans being skinny. <laughs> but at that time, it was true, you know? Uh, and there was work to be done with homes to build in the neighborhood. And so Salvatore, just like many Italians, uh, got into, at first, brick laying and then uh, becoming a contractor and building homes and building restaurants and, and building places for businesses to operate out of. And uh, if you're wondering, hey, uh, is, is this guy in the mob? Well, with a last name like Cordelion, what do you think? <laughs> a little Godfather reference for you there. And if you're wondering, hey, Chris, uh, do you have anyone in your family actually by the name of Cordelion? And uh, the answer is, yeah, yeah, yes, I do. But it's not the same uh, person in the story. So, you know, don't be trying to link my, my family history together and, and connect these dots. <laughs> anyway, so after they get to uh, Buffalo, New York, there is uh, some money that you know gets earned and some settling that happens before... They go off to Philadelphia. And when Sal goes off to Philadelphia with uh, the sister Latuka, uh, they, you know, meet, they meet Bella in Philadelphia. And uh, Bella, believe it or not, actually remembers all Salvatore back when uh, he was a, a young snappy looking lad who was uh just learning how to work with his hands was a fisherman from sicily and uh, had helped his his own grandfather uh, build his own home and uh, after spending a week together salvatore convinces bella or pleads to bella rather to leave with him and head off to Buffalo, New York. Now, I don't know if any of you out there have ever been to Philadelphia. And I don't know how many of you out there have been to Buffalo, New York. And I'm here to tell you, I've done neither. <laughs> so, all I know are stories. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that uh, after they spend uh, their first proper winter together in uh, Buffalo, New York. Everybody agrees that they got to get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> this shit is cold. It is nothing, nothing like Sicily. Now, apparently, remember how I said that there was uh, more than one sister, right? So we have the main sister, Latuka, right? She uh, goes by the name of Bella. And then... You have the uh, second sister, Latuka, and you know she goes by the name of uh, Connie. And then you got the youngest sister, Latuka, who um, took the most adventurous route, took the boldest route, and sent herself off to the West Coast. She went ahead and uh, found herself in San Diego. So, after a few letters, they decide, uh, you know what, we're going to take this train, 
we're going to take this train for a few weeks and we're going to travel across the United States. And, uh, they landed in union station, union station in Los Angeles, and then took the bus down to San Diego. Now, San Diego is, is God's country. I don't know. I don't know about that, <laughs> but it's nice. You know, it's, it's typically pretty warm, typically pretty balmy. And if you can believe it in incredibly rural and, uh, being rural back then wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Just that it meant that instead of the, the shopping malls and the hotels that you currently see now in Mission Valley, there was a, a large dairy you know, where people tended to cows, raised them in a pasture, and people built little homes in little neighborhoods on the surrounding hills around that valley. And, you know, those were little pockets where people knew each other. You know, they sort of helped raise one another. And one interesting thing about, you know, Italian families is that uh, there was a, I don't know if you call it a, maybe a tradition, but certainly a trend where if the father of the family was a person who was uh, handy, right? Uh, knew how to, for example, lay bricks and build a house. <laughs> then they would have this plot of land and in this case, you know, you got a uh, old Sal here, right? He gets married and uh, has a few daughters of his own. And uh, when these daughters get old enough, right? Well, what are they going to do? Well, the family doesn't have much, you know, they're a working class family, but this guy knows how to build. So on this little plot of land, this guy builds uh, a cottage for each one of his daughters uh, to live out of. And uh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine a time where, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like maybe you don't have, uh, you don't have internet and, and maybe, you know, you don't have Amazon. <laughs> And maybe you can't just get Chipotle and Pokey, you know, whatever you want. But <laughs> you know that you're going to have a, a house, a home of your own. Now, when this happens, this is during the, you know, the, the 50s. And 50s San Diego has got to be a, an absolute slice of heaven on earth. At least I would imagine it to be, right? Like LA has got a lot going on, a lot popping, but if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for plenty of sky, if you want to be in a place where you feel like you can live a, a happy life and in a slice of nature that is kind to you, then San Diego is the place to be. And when uh, these sisters got old enough, right? So the, I'm talking about the daughters of, uh, of old Sal here. One moves into uh, one of the houses that he built, which is big enough to be a duplex. And he thinks to himself, ah, you know what? 
that uh that that house is too big for you i'm gonna rent out like my old house and i'm gonna live in that house with you and uh the oldest daughter has a a couple of kids with her husband and sal thinks to himself ah you know what this place is uh too small for all of us (laughs) i'm gonna move back into my place and um and, and you can keep this home for yourself and uh that that uh that woman you know married uh the oldest sister married an italian man and the second sister married an italian man and the third sister married an italian man and the youngest sister married a goddamn polack <laughs> and apparently <laughs> That's how I became uh, a Polish boy born into a Sicilian family. <laughs> uh, now, uh, earlier this week, I was having a, a smoke and a chat with a, a friend of mine who just got back from uh, quite a journey, actually. Um, I don't know how many of you people out there have uh, friends like this who are... On death's door, um, that, that might be like an aggressive approach, but someone who can find themselves uh, born with, say, like an autoimmune disease that, you know, means that whenever they speak with a doctor or a specialist, what they tell them is, you're going to die. And there's not really much that we can do about it. So... We can try to manage the symptoms and, and make your quality of life as, as positive as possible, but you're going to die. And uh, if you do have a friend like that, then you know I, I hope that they have the same type of spirit and attitude that, that my friend has with this. And uh, they really make the most out of life. Uh, they, <laughs> they, their tea game is, is very strong. I'm talking about my friend here. Their tea game is, is very strong. Um, I didn't know that, uh, for example, the ingredient thyme could be such a, a wonderful uh, addition to uh, to tea, you know. And this person has a tea collection that has a German influence and a Swiss influence and some of it an East Asian influence. And, like, their process is just wonderful. And they also like to, to pair their uh, tea collection with um, the best chocolate that you have ever experienced in your life. I'll tell you, if you have not tried Swiss chocolate, then you really, really got to go in on it. Um, The uh, type of chocolate that was uh, gifted to me this time apparently is of the rarer variety, can't be found in the United States, and so was uh, a local favorite while they were in switzerland and uh you know what i'm not even going to tell you what the name is but i will tell you by that it comes in a blue wrapper and that the uh texture of it is just melt in your mouth and kiss me good night <laughs> type of good Oh, Lord. Uh, I've already gone through half of it, and that kind of makes me sad. Because <laughs> I got it on Tuesday. 
and it hasn't even really made it the week. Oh well, shame on me, shame on me. Yeah, fat kid, Chris. Yeah, fat kid, Chris. <laughs> yeah, um, and while we were, you know, having a, a smoke and a chat and, and catching up on how their life was during the pandemic, because you know, you can imagine if you had a battle with your own immune system then being in a time like this could be precarious to say the least but as it turns out also kind of became an advantage you know because all of the uh, load that a person like that can encounter just because of the proximity to people you know the energy that gets expended um, and, and on the rough days, you know, it, you're still de- demanded to, you know, leave your home, go to class, go to work, uh, meet people out to have a social life, to run your own errands and be a goddamn adult. Well, when the world shut down, <laughs> apparently she got a chance to really like shut down and recharge and, and focus on her health too. So, um, it's, it was really good to, to see my friend, uh, make the most of, of that opportunity and rebound. And, uh, and as we were, you know, talking about all the things that, that they did to level up during that time, uh, they are a bit theatrical and they, uh, inspired me <laughs> to, uh, to work out some bits you know, and, and uh, when I was looking back, I realized some of it was inaccurate. Like I was uh, pretending like there was this scene where Sal, uh, you know, gets to Philadelphia and uh, he's spending some time with Bella and trying to convince her to come back to, to Buffalo. And he's all like, would you, will you please get in the car? And she looks at him and she's like, no, no, I'm not going. You know, I can't leave my mother. <laughs> And he sits there and he ponders and he says really quietly, you know, we can't, we can't take your mother with us. You know that just count, please. Will you please get in the car? Come, come with me. Come with me back to Buffalo. We'll start a new life. And she says, no, no, there's no way. (laughs) And, oh man, she got such a crack out of that. (laughs) Uh, maybe in part it was the facial expressions or maybe in part it was the the weed but uh it was it was really cool to to light someone up like that and uh if i get into uh in an inspired realm then i might do a uh, a bit of a short story told through voice about the uh romance of latuka and cordelion so i don't know i guess keep an eye out for that i if, if, you know, if, if it happens, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, in the meantime, um, you know, I love talking about my Padres and, you know, they're not too far out. I know when I spoke to you guys on, on Monday that I said that they're stinking it up and, and they, <laughs> they somehow managed not to sweep, uh, the worst team or one of the worst teams in, in the major league. And right now they're a half game out of making it into the playoffs. And this month they have a tough stretch. Uh, Los Doyers, 
just made their way into the number one spot in the league and they have a series against them in Los Angeles which means it's going to be a tough go for the Padres. They don't do that well on the road, and they had a tough time against the Dodgers when they were playing at home. So fingers crossed. Padres also have two series uh, going up against the, the Giants, who were leading the major league and, and now are in second place. Uh, it's, it's not an even year, so kind of surprised that the Giants are doing as well as they can, but, you know, <sighs> sometimes teams just find a way to, to make it happen. And uh, the Giants this year have been uh, a squad who have found the ways to, to make it happen. And the Padres got to play them in, in two separate series uh, during this month of September. But you know what? If the Padres can find a way to pull it together, then uh, then they'll grab some momentum, make it into the playoffs, get some tough earned wins against quality opponents. And who knows? Maybe they'll have some belief going into the playoffs. You know, and that's the kind of thing that this city needs. <laughs> also wanted to say, uh, it was interesting to find out that uh, that my family line had origins in the United States, spent in, in Buffalo, New York. And uh, that's because, you know, as I mentioned before, had some people move out here, uh, here to San Diego from the great city of Buffalo, New York. And, and I really get along with those folks, man. They seem like really cool people. Uh, there was this one dude that I met, uh, and, and we hit it off really uh, right away. I really liked his style and he's a season ticket holder for the Padres. And, uh, he brought me to my first game at the Padres this year. And, and I gave him a Jersey that I got from a, a past Padre game that I went to cause he's a season ticket holder and, and he deserves to have that Jersey. And, uh, I've hung out a few times uh, with him and his pals, and I got a formal invite to join the Bills Mafia. <laughs> yeah, and after uh, pulling for the Bills a little bit last year, you know, I felt like it would be unfair to uh, hop on the bandwagon, you know, that that late into the season. But I'll tell you what, them Buffalo Bills are coming for it. <laughs> Let's go Bills, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know maybe i'll have uh one team in my life that will uh bring a championship home or you know because the bills have a history of doing what the padres do and maybe they'll maybe they'll find a way to to get to you know the super bowl and then break your heart <laughs> yeah so Hopefully the Padres will finish the season strong. Hopefully I'll be able to talk a, a little bit of uh, playoff baseball. Uh, you know, heading into the the last stretch of this year, and um, yeah, and I, and I hope those things turn around. Uh, in in the light of yoga and, and meditation this week, there's uh, it, it there's a um, an equation that uh, that it seems like people in the community of yoga are aren't able to solve, and uh, that that equation is to be able to I I would say have a, a yogic lifestyle and also be an engine of prosperity and I don't know really 
why those things have a bit of a conflict, maybe because the origins of yoga, you know, asked yoga practitioners to, to become more or less renunciate, you know, uh, to become people that weren't really a part of society and focus on, um, you know, living a, a life that was aligned with nature and, and brought you closer to um, a divinity, right? Without being distracted by the, the perils and obligations of society. Uh, or maybe, maybe uh, it is the, the, the openness and, and the kindness of the lifestyle that really, one, uh, doesn't favor uh, people that are ambitious. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not, not, not the term. Um, but like industrial, right? People that, uh, look for ways to add value to the community in a way that also invites value to be, uh, traded with them and reciprocated in, in the form of money. So that way they can buy a home and say, San Diego, <laughs> And, uh, and make the life work. And also, maybe it's the, the invitation for people that, uh, that practice regularly, uh, both yoga and meditation, happen to be people that are they, they, they like what they have. And they don't ask for too much more. And so there's sort of a, a bit of a knot, it seems, between, hey, is it possible to uh, live richly, right? To, to have wealth as a, as a yoga teacher, right? And that's different than, say, being a, a studio owner because a, a studio owner has to have management management skills and organizational skills and to be able to have a marketing plan and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which by the way is distinctly different <laughs> than being a, a really good uh, yoga and, and meditation guide. And so uh, it's become uh, apparent to me that that equation is yet to be solved and, and I'm hoping to to be a good example for those people out there. You know, um, I was speaking with a guy who works with a company that focuses more or less on helping uh, new products find their way into being a favored uh, item that gets pulled up on, on Amazon. Right. And apparently Amazon's got a lot of locks that require keys and they're very picky about things. And so you really got to know like how all of these systems work. And this person works for a company that helps sort out those problems and uh, help those products really like take off and, and launch. And uh, as I was talking with this individual about what, you know, what I'm doing here with uh, ZarYogaStudio.com, uh, they told me, oh, oh, so um, subscription as a service SAS, that's brilliant. And I was like, Oh, he's like, yeah, no, that's definitely, definitely, uh, the future of the industry of yoga. 
right? Is to offer your services as a subscription. And I'm like, oh, I got some validation. Look at that, you know, from a, from a, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say it, but a business guy, he's more of the, the hoodie, <laughs> you know, uh, type. But uh, it was really cool uh, to, to have that reinforcement and, and to be said that I'm, I'm looking in the right direction there. Uh, so I'm wondering, hey, uh, I wonder how much is, is the sweet spot in terms of, of the price. Uh, I'm wondering... What is the uh, the value that uh, people are hoping to to get out of this that that is demonstrable, right? Because there's there's apps out there like Headspace that that you can uh, meditate with, and, and I'm not trying to overcome Headspace, right? There are plenty of, of videos out there that uh, show you how to do things, and I'm also um, I'd say now creating that library for people to use and also again not something that i'm trying to overstep right it's it's a crowded space that i don't i don't really need to combat with but you know like like this semester alone i'm teaching for 120 students um there was a semester when everything was firing and i had uh, over 600 different people uh, show up to my classes at San Diego State. And, you know, most teachers, you know, they're making an, like an hourly rate. And I don't know about you, but renting out your time is, is not, not the way to wealth. And so, you know, I think that this type of, of a program this type of uh, company, this type of uh, structure and setup is one of the ways that uh, a teacher can f receive a, a fair amount of value for the feeling that they help a person uh, connect with, right? You know, because that is, for me, the, the biggest thing is hey when you're practicing these these asanas with me or when you're doing this meditation with me or when you know you're you're practicing pranayama with me i'm hoping to accomplish a few things and one is to to give you the real stuff you know the the real sauce okay <laughs> you know like i try not to, to fluff it up too much you know i, I try not to overlay it with too much new age uh googly crystalline um you know oh everything's gonna be okay just you know keep the light in you and, and spread the light and the love and the happiness like no <laughs> you know like that's that's important that's good you know but there are some uh, components here that you ought not to neglect and some of the stuff is, is going to be helpful for you for example voluntarily breathing <laughs> i don't know uh, man there's so much of our time is spent doing uh involuntary tasks and breathing is one of them you know you're 
more or less breathing in, in a rhythm and in a default setting that is unconscious or subconscious. And uh, that's, that's not a bad thing. I mean, thank God we have that function to be able to involuntarily breathe. But also, you know, that that feeling of like balled up anxiety or like, like that tightness in your chest, you know what that might, you know what you could do to help alleviate that is maybe not solve all the problems of the world <laughs> or find the solutions to things that you've done in the past or things that you need to do in the future, but rather uh, have a direct physiological interaction with your body as it is right now and to exhale completely you know, to, to inhale fulfillingly and to transition with grace in between. And, you know, not just having uh, that tool to take voluntary, complete breaths and, and maybe to move your, your default mode a little bit closer to that direction instead of something that is approaching hyperventilation. <laughs> you freaking mouth breathers. <laughs> but... Uh, also to uh, use your breath to um, actively clean your slate, right? And so, for example, um, there's a particular technique out there called Kalabhati Pranayama. And uh, Kalabhati Pranayama is a type of uh, breathwork technique that has an emphasis on the exhale. So uh, you, you should take it with me sometime, but after you perform a, a minute round of this, you, you get to the end and then there's a space where like a lot of heat has built up inside of you. You have a little bit of sweat on the brow. And when you're doing like this breath retention, there is a feeling that is uh, similar to uh, when a woman puts her, and I'm just kidding, <laughs> puts her head on your throat. And push on the edge of life or death. Mid bliss. <laughs> no. Um, but that that space where there actually is no other uh your attention isn't being pointed in any other direction than here. And to be in that type of headspace that is clear is uh, a valuable space because it gives you an opportunity to reset. And after you do something like that, there's you know a little, obviously you've built up some heat and you're a little bit wound up. And so there's a, another technique that, that you can use that can either advance that uh, one more step, you know, make another step in, in that direction and maybe get a little breath high. And then there's also techniques that you can use to, to cool you down and to have you calm and to be walking lightly on your feet and to feel patient while you're driving in traffic and, and all that good, good stuff. And that type of access to feeling is something that as a teacher, I am at that space that, that I'm holding or that, that I'm creating for people to cultivate for themselves. And so, you know, it's, it's cool if, you know, somebody can 
go to like a community, uh, to go to like their gym or to a local studio and do that and to, you know, uh, pay the money that it takes to keep the lights on and keep the teachers hired. And also I feel like for teachers like myself who have, uh, higher ambitions and who are willing to build other skills, for example, to make their own website and to, uh, set up a business and to, um, maintain that business and to provide these services for people, then, Hey, like do both, do both. So, uh, you know, in this first year, uh, things have gone well enough for me to, to have some hope and to hopefully, you know, provide some, some inspiration and to provide an, an example to other teachers and say, Hey, you can do the same thing too. You can buy a home in San Diego too. <laughs> if you just take this course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on the, on the note of courses too, uh, there is a, uh, meditation <clears throat> masterclass workshop that I'm doing with reunify yoga here in ocean beach. It, the first session is uh, targeted towards awareness and, and that begins on, uh, not this upcoming Sunday. Let me uh, look at the date here. Not this upcoming Sunday, uh, the 5th, but uh, the following Sunday on September 12th. The second session with the uh, meditation theme of acceptance is going to be on the 19th. And then uh, I'll have two more sessions happening in October. On uh, Sunday, October 10th and Sunday... Um, or sorry, Sunday, October 17th and Sunday, October 24th. And if you are, especially if you are like a yoga teacher out there, or if you have an RYT certification of some sort, these are training hours that you can use to maintain your certification. If you're a person that is uh, a little bit familiar with meditation and is looking to understand like the origins or to find out what other tools are, are out there that might serve you in different situations, then come through for that. And if you're a person that is uh, unfamiliar with meditation, you know, in its entirety, then, then you'd be interested to know about this guy named George Mumford. And uh, this, this guy, George Mumford, he, um, especially if you're a basketball fan, uh, George Mumford, uh, was a roommate of uh, Dr. J, Dr. J, uh, Julius Irving, uh, obviously a, a legendary Hall of Fame player in the NBA. And uh, George Mumford wasn't a person that <laughs> ended up uh, having a Hall of Fame career himself. He actually uh, went into the darkness a little bit and, and struggled with addiction and uh, found himself looking into or I guess uh, rehabbing and educating on how a person uh, can make their way out of uh, such a mechanism, you know, and there's a, a really great podcast out there with Tim Ferriss that I suggest you listen to because there you'll hear the, the full story on how this person ended up being a meditation facilitator um, for people from Yale to jail. 
right? And, and everywhere in between how he became a, a mindfulness and performance coach for Phil Jackson, for Michael Jordan, for Kobe Bryant. And if I may say that type of uh, skill, that type of um, cultivation of awareness and being able to direct uh, your concentration and to uh, let go of past, you know, fouls, mishaps, and mistakes, and to direct your action to best meet the task that is now at hand, in my mind, is one of the difference makers between having a life that will continue to struggle and having a life that can persevere, to have some fortitude, and also to have some enjoyment. So uh, it's from George Mumford that uh, I get this paradigm um, of awareness, acceptance, compassionate action, and assessment. And so there are different meditation techniques which fall under each of those themes. Um, and I'm going to be going through those meditation techniques like Zen, like loving kindness. I'm going to be talking about TM. You know, that's, a, that's another famous one. Guided visualizations, movement meditation, et cetera, et cetera. So come out for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and give yourself that, that slight edge, you know, that could uh, really improve your life. Um, I'm, uh, I'm also working on, uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, my bit for my next open mic <laughs> for those of you that are looking to join me out on the comedy scene and, uh, hear me say some, some more absurd shit, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to hang out with Dale <laughs> a little bit and, uh, you know, fuck around and have some fun. Uh, just like we do here uh, on this podcast, so um, it's a uh, it's always good to to link up with you. Uh, thanks for coming through, and that's that's what we have today for uh, today's stretch. Um, love you. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the three day weekend, and uh, you know, uh, be good to one another. Be good to one another for sure. All right, I'll see you. Bye.